Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Andrew, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. 
Hi, Srini. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I came across you um, by way of your software company, Reich, uh, which we've seen endlessly on Facebook and, uh, you know, was really intrigued by your story. So I wanted to have you come here and talk uh, not only about uh, the principles that basically run Reich, but also tell your story and, and, you know, also talk about a lot of the things that our listeners could learn from. So on that note, uh, can you tell us a, a bit about your story, your journey, uh, your background and how that has brought you to what you're up to in the world today? Good. So um, let me start by giving a little bit of a background of where we are today. So um, Reich's mission is uh, helping people become insanely productive. Uh, and we're a very fast-growing company out of Silicon Valley. We've got more than 100 employees. We have thousands of businesses around the world um, using us every day, uh, which includes both some cool startups and some brands that uh, you very familiar and some we use daily like Google and these headphones and Adobe and many others. Um, so, so with that said, uh, I think it could be interesting if I go back in time and um, tell a couple of words about how I grew up because uh, that probably influenced uh, me as I, as I am today. So um, I was born um, in post-Soviet uh, Russia in a city called uh, St. Petersburg. Um, I was growing up as a very curious kid, and so I was kind of uh, running around harassing uh, everybody with all my uh, stupid questions about how this worked and that worked. Um, and that, uh, I think, is, is one of the things that um, kind of led to a lot of good things later in life. One of them uh, was that I discovered computers pretty early. I was I was lucky in that. Um, and. They, I, the first time I saw it, it was truly magical for me. It's, uh, you, you know, you, you touch a button and there the character moves on the screen. And it's, um, I, I looked at it and I instantly uh, realized that, that I, I want to learn everything I can about it. Um, and that, that in itself uh, later led to a lot of uh, pivotal moments in my life, for example, um, later, when I grew up, I um, joined one of the best schools in Russia, and my motivation to, to join it was because I loved computers and they had a good computer class. <laughs> so, so I made my mom, I made up my mind uh, instantly. Um, so, and and then uh, later um, in life, I um, I got a uh, um, computer science degree in college, um, and but by that time. Uh, I already self-taught myself uh, enough to, to to get a job and, and actually start a company. I started my first software business pretty early. Uh, I was 17 or 18 years old. Um, and then business grew very well and, and rapidly, and we've got offices in multiple countries. Um, so, so, so... So rapidly, uh, actually, that, that it uh, we became victims of our own success, where it was uh, it became harder and harder to manage it, which led me to to create uh, Reich as kind of a better way to to run the business. So that's my my story. In, in five minutes. Hmm, awesome. Well, let's go back to the very beginning of this. Uh, you know, I think it's really interesting that you grew up in post-Soviet Russia, and I'm really curious how uh, growing up uh, in that culture has really influenced and shaped your worldview, uh, and you know how you do the work that you do today. 
Um, it, it, it's, it's a good question, and actually, um, it's very interesting to look at it retroactive because when you grow up, you know, it's it's normal, it's it's life as it is for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking at it back right now, living in Silicon Valley, and and now uh, I've got these days, I've got uh, two boys of my own who are growing up here. Their environment that they're growing in, and the environment that I grew up in, is are, are two very different worlds. Um, so one. Uh, to give you some some context, when uh, when I was growing up, there was um, very uh, kind of if, if if we talk about uh, entertainment, it was it was a very it was very scarce. Um, like if you if you think uh, if you if you look at their kids today, uh, you know my boys occasionally play on iPads. We go to Disneyland. They've got um, these cartoons to watch, and and in general, they they're they've got um, a lot of toys and everything versus when, when I grew up, um, everything was scarce to, to a point where you, you had to spend, you know, an hour, two hours a day standing in lines in grocery store to buy your, your basic groceries. So, uh, <laughs> we're not talking about like fancy toys, uh, or anything. So that, uh, combine that with my insane curiosity and, and the only way for me to sort of uh, feed my, uh, my, my sort of uh, desires to entertain my brain was to read a lot. So, so as, as a kid growing up, um, I, I read tons of fiction, uh, as a pure entertainment. And I also sort of entertained myself with reading a lot of, um, nonfiction. So that, um, influenced me a lot. It, um, I, I taught myself a lot of things, um, and, and actually, I, I have a good story about this. I, I remember um, when I think it was around high school. Um, I, it was my first uh, chemistry class, and it was the beginning of a year. And I had a weekend where I had nothing to do, uh, so I just picked up a chemistry textbook and I read it over the weekend, uh, which turned out not to be just fun, but but very helpful because um, in that particular class we had a funny system where we didn't get grades uh, and instead we got points for every good answer uh and so because i read the textbook for the whole year uh and you already kind of knew upfront uh, what was going to happen i got enough points in the first couple of months to cover my whole year um and the only two bad grades i got at that class were one uh, were both related to my curiosity one was uh when i uh accidentally set a fire in the class and and the other one was when I uh, did a rainbow with some unknown uh, agents, and I I learned that you're not supposed to do that uh, in chemistry classes. So, so in any case, uh, that it's it's a funny story, but it also shows you that a kind of it 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 built my confidence and ability to learn stuff, um, and I definitely funneled that into my biggest passion, which was computers. So I learned a lot about uh, over the years about hardware, uh, which again. Combine that with scarcity, like being a part of a uh, lower uh, middle class, I had no money to buy a computer. So I basically uh, scraped one from their used parts that I bought. So I taught myself sort of the hardware part of it. I taught myself their, the software part of it. I learned to program very early. Um, and that um, helped me later sort of uh, land a job and start, start my own company. So that's... Um, that 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 again that that scarcity um, was important and helpful. Um, another thing that I um, that kind of uh, in, I, I believe influenced me culturally 
uh, was this uh, sort of spirit of uh, perseverance. Because um, my, my grandparents, my grandma went through occupation uh, and they, you know, they survived World War II. Uh, they survived the famine after it. Uh, the city that I grew up w in, St. Petersburg, um, it survived a nine-month uh, siege by, by Nazis were uh, under constant uh, bombing and, like, there was no food supplies and so on and so forth. So, and, and it's not, uh, when, when I grew up there, it was not just an abstract history, um, something that, you know, you watch, watch a movie about. It was part, really part of your your kind of the, the fabric, you know, you walk in the downtown and you see there the impact of those artillery bombings or, you know, one of your holidays would be dedicated to this. And, and, and so it uh, helped me to, I, I think it, retroactively, I think it helped me to build this spirit of perseverance um, that, that helped me through the years. Um, and also it, um, we got a lot of, uh, lessons both historical and, and real life uh, about their kind of the value of um the value of resources um to give an example as a, as a kid i was uh we would read books on how valuable was uh, every slice of bread and how much um sort of blood and sweat went into defending the country and growing the crops and so on and so forth so so whether the it's a culture, it's me personally, but I grew up with this um, innate and intense uh, hate of waste, um, sort of intolerance to waste, which uh, led to, uh, on the kind of on the, if we switch it to the positive side, it led to me be very passionate about productivity because the most precious resource you got is, is time. You know, when it's gone, it's gone. So uh, I had, I had to, I, I, I was always, cautious about spending my time wisely uh, from my early days and my environment was you know very conductive um, it was kind of studying in this um, top school um, and then doing a lot of hobby projects and learning program programming and then starting my first company when I still started at college and so on and so forth so so I taught myself to to be very Productive and it became uh, on top of computers. It became another um, big passion of mine through the years hmm. You know one of the words that you have mentioned over and over again is, is curiosity um, Which I, I personally think is the driving force behind just about everything But what's interesting to me is to listen to you talk about your kids and the endless amount of entertainment They have at their fingertips uh, that every one of us does do you think that? technology is actually getting in the way of our ability to be curious and to imagine things that don't exist uh and and if so you know what is the key to solving that problem it's 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 a tough one and as a, as a father of two boys i i get back to this uh constantly and i and i think about it and and i i think you you can harness that technology and entertainment um but you also should be very careful about it when when i mean harness uh i i when i say harness what i mean is that there if, if you compare uh, an interactive uh video material that demonstrates you hard to con hard concepts if you compare it with say black and white textbook with no charts mm -hmm. obviously there the video material will be able to teach you so much faster and better uh, but on the other hand, if you 
set the bar too low and, and, and then like everything is so much easier to learn and you've got all these entertainment options, then you wouldn't just challenge yourself enough. It's like, uh, I, I actually believe that our brains are very similar to the rest of our bodies. Is If you want to uh, kind of exceed in athletics, you have to exercise and you have to train your body. So so if you all you do is uh, you're doing sort of block machines with a lot of support, uh, you, you're not you're not going to challenge yourself enough and you're not going to progress fast enough. So I believe the same is true with um, sort of our mental uh, muscles, if you will, uh, both when it comes to intelligence and learning and, and even when it comes to things like stress in life. If, if somebody has grown up in a completely stress-free environment and, and everybody around the person try to always minimize the stress to zero, then uh, if the person faces... Uh, kind of a big problem in life, uh, it will be much harder to overcome this problem rather than if you sort of build this resilience. Um, and so, and, and this definitely is true about uh, learning. So you, the, I, I personally felt that the more you learn, uh, the kind of better is your capacity to learn. So, so going back to your, your original question, uh, I don't have a perfect answer. I'm sure there are tons of researchers working on this and kind of there are people uh, supporting it from both sides. My, yeah. my personal philosophy with kids is that I, uh, I try to uh, start low tech and then layer high tech rather than the other way around. Because right. uh, it's, it's always easy to go forward. Like my, uh, my older son right now, He's interested uh, in chess, so I started by sort of playing with him myself, which is sort of low, kind of a low tech, uh, and it's very social. You know, we sit and play, and I, I I can teach him not just the chess, but some other valuable lessons around it. Something that you know an iPad would never do. It would it could theoretically teach him chess, but it would not give him good advice on how to uh, cope with losing a game and so on and so forth. Uh, and then later, um, uh, I have nothing against like throwing in an iPad so that he could later um, play, uh, you know, play with computer or something like that. So, so that's my my personal approach to it. Mm. You know, let me ask you this. You know, one of the other things that you brought up was this idea of magic moments when you first discovered a computer and you saw that it was possible to do what you could do. How do you recognize that you may have arrived at one of those moments in your own life? Um, so I, I'd say there, there are two, uh, two types of those moments. One, one are more obvious, like you just see it and, 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 and I don't know what's, 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 what inside of us drives that. But you see it and you're like, this, this is awesome, right? You, like the first time somebody... Uh, like a passionate snowboarder sees a snow snowboard and he's like, this is what I want to do, right? So so there's some, uh, I don't know what it is, but we're created in a certain way that we love some things. It, and, and it might be our genes, it might be our environment, it might be our friends, there are tons of influences, but but then still, we, we see something, we recognize that we love it, and, and I personally learned to act on that love and passion, not just kind of see it and say, okay, this is cool, but see it and, and do something about it. Um, and so when I first saw computers, I got very, very passionate about learning uh, pretty early what was going on. And I remember when it was, um, I got my first um, sort of experience to basic programming when I believe I was like 10 years old and there were no computer classes at school. I just found a way and found a 
um, very uh, found a student which I which taught me some some stuff there. So so kind of acting upon those passions. Now there are other types of pivotal moments which are more serendipitous, and there uh, you can only see them in in their kind of a retrospective use. For example, uh, but I. Uh, landed in this great school that influenced me a lot or when i started my my company um and and, and kind, kind of a, a lot of those moments you build up towards them uh and and that helps them happen but you don't necessarily you cannot predict them and this is actually a big fun part about them it's uh, it's it's not just everything happening according to the perfect schedule in the plan it's just like you if you're really passionate about something you invest your time into helping others you um sort of uh net network with like-minded peers uh good things will often come out of it and good and unpredictable things and let me let me give you a couple of examples from from my life um so even if we start pretty early on i mentioned that you know i heard about uh from a friend, he, he applied to this uh, magnet school, uh, which was one of the best schools in Russia. And I heard about uh, from him that they got great computers. So I just hanged out and decided to try it for myself. Um, and, and I landed there and, and I could never imagine how huge of an impact it would have both on my sort of academic life and, and friendships and so on and so forth. And it led me to later competing in various um, science competitions like physics, math, computer science, and so on and so forth. Another, uh, so grow, growing up, another moment is, uh, I already told you about how I um, sort of helped uh, these guys build financial software, and it landed me an, an awesome job in, in, in a great team where I had my first mentors, uh, and that later um, kind of pushed me through through my career. Then, then later in life, I got very passionate about it, new technology coming out and i started um, a web portal about it i started a user group and i connected uh, and through that uh because of that passion I, I later created a company around the technology this was my first business which i mentioned i started in college and it grew very fast became sort of a market multinational and so on um and and this early days when when i was just you know passionate and hanging out with folks and doing user groups and this and that uh, some of those people later became my employees. Some of them became good friends. Some of them connected me with my future partners. So you can never predict all those opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you do not even recognize them when they happen. But what what you can do is if you're really passionate about something, put that to work. Uh, and it's it's not it's uh, it's not a duplicable resource. Unlike money, it's it's not. It's not just, you know, if you put it to work, you get less of it. It's oftentimes it's, it's the reverse. You put it to work, you get to something better and, and you become even more passionate and you, you see how this sort of work product of yours comes to life and, and, and it energizes you even more and you meet these new people who energize you even more and so on and so forth. So, so oftentimes this is uh, what I would call a positive spiral. Um, so that's kind of my view on those pivotal moments. Mm. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. 
From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, let's do this. Let's shift gears uh, a little bit. and, and let's start getting into this idea of, you know, helping people become insanely productive because, you know, by the time this airs, we're 30 days away almost from the end of the year and insane productivity is absolutely on everybody's mind and goals are probably on everybody's mind. So let's talk about this concept of how we become insanely productive. How do we start to apply this to our lives and, and accomplish as, as much as we possibly can? So let me start by saying something very simple and very deep. Um, It's either you managing your work or it's your work managing you. And there is no way around it. And so what happens in today's world is that we've got all this um, overload and kind of most of it is digital, right? We've got hundreds of emails and we've got files and text messages and this and that, both at work and even in our personal lives. And so a lot of and what, what that drives us to is that um, we switch to this reactive mode where work controls us. Um, and, and you need to, in order to be successful at something, um, you need to be able to sit down and step back a little bit and try to plan your life. Um, so so that, that's kind of my, my first advice. My next advice that trips a lot of people um, with, with planning is that there is no perfect plan. So a lot of people, they, they start, sort of start to think about planning um, either their personal goals or their work projects and this and that. And they see that this is so complicated. There's so many dependencies. It depends on this and that. And like 99% of those dependencies you cannot control. So how can you plan if you cannot control? But the truth is, is that there are people around you that are very successful in planning, very successful in managing their lives. And they, they're in the same environment. It's still uncertain, you know, both at the macro levels and the micro levels. So, you know, the economy is unstable. The competition changes every day. Uh, you cannot predict what other people do and so on and so forth. So 
but there's still a lot of people who are successful. And and for me, one of their kind of a uh, sim- uh, very um, advice that sounds very simple, but is is actually deep. Is is kind of like just do it, right? So so there's never a perfect plan, uh, but there's their lack of planning. Uh, and then there, there is kind of an effort to plan, right? So, so when you sit down and you try to plan things, don't try to build the perfect thing. Just try to build some clarity around, A, your top priorities, what you really want to do. Um, and, and when you think about them, uh, absolutely think about why you're doing this. Uh, otherwise, you, you may end up doing wrong things or you may end up losing motivation and kind of uh, ter- turn kind of towards the other things down the road. So, so think about why you're doing this and, and what are your top priorities. And then think about, try to think about kind of, okay, what are the big steps leading me towards that? Um, and then the closer it is to today, the more clarity you should have. Of course, you cannot control what happens in two years, but you can control what's your next action item is. So make sure you've got this clarity around what, what your next step is and, and where you're headed. And, and I often, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, I often get asked about our business plans and, and our corporate plans and our strategy. And uh, believe it or not, even at this macro level, like running this big and fast-growing company, uh, I often, my answer is often um, kind of b- bipolar. I tell them, okay, this is our vision. This is where we want to be as a company, what we want to do for the world. Um, and, and this is what we're extremely passionate about. It's what, what, what everything we do is built around. But it's, it doesn't have like a detailed plan for 10 years, right? It just, okay, here's, here's why it's important. Here's why we're passionate about it. And here's how we're doing it. And then there's, there's another polarity is, okay, comes 2015, here's our very detailed plan of how we're going to make our next step, how we're going to double the business in the next year and kind of a, a, spread between different campaigns and like different levers so so in 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 our case that that's kind of their the framework i'm using obviously when i when i was when i just started a company it was a little bit different i could not predict the whole year uh Mm -hmm. the business was much more dynamic but i still could say okay this is our bigger bigger picture what we're heading and this is their our next immediate step maybe it would be next month because because again it wouldn't make sense to plan for a year or two years when you don't know what's going to happen next week so so this is kind of our monthly plan. And you can do this both at work and personal. So uh, this was the second advice. The third advice I would give you is to, when you get this clarity, uh, more often than not, you, you got to bring other people in. So even if it's personal life, as you know, if we, if we want to change habits, if we want to change ourselves, involving other people is is key component to, to do this. Um, and, and you've got this with AA society, you know, you've got this in our personal fitness goals. Uh, whatever you do, uh, people are sort of social beings, right? We uh, and, and getting help from others is, is important. Now, in business world, it's even more important because uh, all, all the time, like, I don't know, 100, almost 100% of the times, so you're working with somebody. You either... Um, so the simplest case would be, let's say you're an individual contributor and you work, and, and there, so you have to work with your manager and you have to work with your peers. So you can, even if your manager is not good with planning, you can come to her and say, listen, this is what I think is important for me in the next quarter. Do you agree or not? And, and if, if she's a good manager, she will definitely appreciate the proactiveness. She would think, wow, this, this 
kind of employee, I really I don't have to babysit, um, and she she knows her job well, and 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 you would have this discussion with the person around your goals, uh, and it's a valuable discussion because later if you get detracted, if you get thrown kind of thrown in all this minutia, you can, or if you see a big roadblock, you can always come back to your manager and say, listen, I need your help. Um, this is kind of what the plan that I set for myself. Uh, and I'm kind of I'm struggling right now because there's this roadblock or there's too much work on the other side. Like, what what would you recommend me to do? And you have this open, proactive discussion that will help you to either change the goals. Maybe the manager says, "Listen, you know, you you, you had a good plan at the beginning of the quarter, but this thing is really urgent. So let's kind of uh, take care of that that first. And 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 then you don't have sort of wrong expectations at the at the end. You you sort of self-corrected. Or the manager will help you. Uh, the other way will say, well, your, your goals are really important, so why don't I sort of uh, send send this project to another person, or why don't, don't we just deprioritize it? Um, so, so this is kind of an example of you talking to your, your manager. And the other way around it also works. So let's say you are a manager and you're responsible for the team, and your team needs uh, a little bit more clarity, so it helps to sit down with them and kind of define their goals wise and, and what are the most important um, key objectives and results and, and then have that clarity uh, to, to manage the team and, and kind of the, feel the team responsible for those objectives. So, so bringing in others, I feel, is, um, is very essential to the process. And now, um, last but not least, uh, when I started, I mentioned that uh, there are no perfect plans, mm -hmm. so it's it's very important to periodically go back and and revisit your plans, and and and, and it shouldn't be uh, a stressful event where your life life changes things. I can tell you, I run a very successful business, but we don't meet all our all of our goals, right? We, we don't meet some of our goals, right? Some some of them we meet, and then we do something that wasn't planned, and then some of the goals that we set for ourselves we we never achieved, but we still make a good progress and and it what what we are keen upon internally is having that sort of truth uh, there right it's, it's not about us building a plan 12 months ago three months ago that's no longer that lo no longer has any value it's about building the initial version and then if we see that the circumstances changed we go back and we adjust the plan and we're open about it and, and if there's if there was a mistake we discuss it and we get we get to learn the lessons so so that probably i i promise that will be the last thing but then the lessons learned probably uh i i i have to speak about it so so i'm very big on kind of during those moments of readjustment i'm very big on doing what what's called five whys right or you can call it truth cause analysis like sitting down and thinking if something didn't work out why it didn't work out? Uh, if if you know if your servers went down, what were the reasons? Was it the wrong hire or the wrong process? So this or that. If you didn't deliver uh, your marketing campaign on time, what was the reason? Was it the tool, the people, the processes? And and figure and so this kind of sets the framework. And and it shouldn't be to reprimand anybody. It should be the the only reason you do this is to figure out the next action item so you can continuously improve the process and continuously improve your company and I use it both in the business and in my personal life as a kind of this continuous improvement philosophy something doesn't work out uh, I don't see it as a failure I see it as a, as a way to sit down think about it uh, and decide what's what's the next um, action item is 
And then to put it all together, um, what what everybody needs um, is a very simple um, kind of system to do it because you need to have a discipline. So the system could be as simple as you sitting down every Monday and deciding what your top three priorities are for this week. Uh, and, and as simple as that, that, that's already night and day difference between you doing that and you just responding to 200 emails. You, you'll see dramatically different results in, in sort of in, in, in your personal life and in, in your company. So, so I think, and, and people sometimes overcomplicate it. They're all about, okay, what's this kind of heavy, you know, methodology, this or that. But it's all about uh, kind of designing something simple that's, that's effective and then sticking to it. Uh, no matter what, and, and improving it, because because it doesn't make sense to stick to something that doesn't work, but you shouldn't drop it. Instead, if something doesn't work, uh, going back to our previous point, you should just improve it and figure out, okay, it didn't work, so I have to change that. So probably time for me to stop. <laughs> yeah, well, that, there, there's, I mean, that, that's that, there's a lot of material there, uh, you know, just a ton of stuff. I love this idea of the top three priorities, especially given uh, that, you know, we're coming close to the end of the year. You know, one thing I'd like to do is actually walk this through somewhat of a tactical example, and we'll use something really simple. Let's say that I want to write a book, uh, you know, and I, I've written a book before, but I, I want to do this just so that we have something concrete to work with so that people can kind of see the framework applied to something. So let's say that, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a book and that's, that's the project. That's the biggest priority. I mean, how would I take all of this and apply it to something like writing a book? So one, um, there's an ancient advice on um, how to eat an elephant, and you do it bite by bite. Right. Um, although you shouldn't be eating elephants, but you should be writing writing a book. So uh, do it step by step. Uh, first of all, figure out why you're you're doing this, uh, and it it could be uh, it could take you just thirty seconds because because it's obvious. Uh, but just make sure that you know it. So later. If you get detracted, if you get a writer's block or something, you 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 have a you have something to go back to and, and and say, okay, I really wanted to write this book because it will move me forward in my career, or because I, I I'm sort of I've got these great ideas and I want to uh, spread it to the world or whatever it is. But uh, think about it and and ideally put it in writing so you can always go go back to it. Um, then next thing is when when you know the why. Uh, as we just described, uh, the next process is figure out your next steps. So I, I have never written a whole book. I've written chapters to some books. Uh, so so I, I'd kind of uh, put a hypothesis. Maybe there are better strategies. But I would sit down and uh, probably plan the overall um, story. Even if it's a, a nonfiction book, I would still kind of... Uh, plan their progression and mm -hmm. based on that i would try to plan the structure um and, and the structure could evolve later but i would i would have a good starting point for me to work on um next step as we discussed so you, you got the structure you need to figure out the immediate step and in case of book um i think the process that i would put for myself is i would base it off cadence especially if it's a fiction book i would just say okay i want to write a chapter a week or something like that um, or ideally if it's your full-time depending on whether it's your uh, kind of hobby or full-time job if it's full-time job I would actually set a daily goal uh, to say okay I want to make some tangible progress every day um, and, and set up a very um, 
simple goal because there there's 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 this big magic of you setting a goal for yourself and achieving it right so so if you set a goal that's like three months um from now and requires all this hard work and it's like this huge uh monolithic rock and and, and you you try to lift it and it's so heavy you know it's 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 damn hard and and, and all you get is sort of this dissatisfaction and the motivation versus if you if your goal is to lift a little pebble um, and you do it and you're like you feel okay i can do it and and you know it and and all you need to do is like uh, carry all those little pebbles so think about what are those small wins that lead you to this uh, big goal and again it could be writing a page a day or writing a chapter a week or maybe the first um, step before that would be some sort of research that you want to do but think about this win and definitely celebrate it if it's if it's something um, kind of again if, if it's something personal and creative I, I would think about uh, how, how would I pat myself on the back uh, either with this first win or or even the whole uh, progress um, and I've used it um, in other uh, ways for example I've recently uh, started swimming and I sort of uh, I wanted to gear up a little bit but but I paced it I'm like okay and when I learned to swim a mile uh, I'll buy myself a sort of a, wa a waterproof mp3 player right so so it was and it's a small thing right but it's it's still um, adds this to this motivation that um, you, you're not just kind of loading everything up front, but you pace yourself and you reward yourself on, on the journey. Um, so that would be my two cents on, on writing a book. Hmm. You know, I, I really appreciate the fact that you brought up the idea of, of setting a goal that's achievable uh, because people do end up biting off more than they can chew. And I, I see this process often with writers. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a post on Medium titled How to Write a Thousand or How Writing a Thousand Words a Day Changed My Life. And it, what's funny is I didn't start out writing a thousand words a day. I just made the commitment to write something daily. And eventually it started to be a thousand words and a thousand words became easier because I think, you know, once you get into this habit of, okay, today I did 250, tomorrow I'll do 250, for some reason you pick up momentum and that momentum actually gives you a lot of encouragement. And of course that leads to more action and then you're just committed to the process. And I, I've often found the more committed we are to the process than the outcome itself, the more likely we are to reach the outcome. Yeah, and, and, and it actually, um, so there, it, it's a fascinating topic and it's multi-level one. So, so one thing that, um, one lens that I like to look at it is that you're actually changing your sense of identity. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there, there were this uh, social experiments, you know, when people were asked to install this ugly poster on their front yard uh, that, that would facilitate safe driving, a big percentage of them refused. But then if people first were asked to post a small sticker in their window and later uh, asked to install a poster, if they agreed, uh, their, the outcome was much, much better. Uh, and and I, I mean the, the total outcome. Like if you, if you take the same population mm -hmm. uh, and go through the two-step process, the people who ended up installing that, that ugly sign on their front yard, their, the percentage was much, much higher. And that was because they changed their cells for, of, of an identity. They were uh, putting the sticker on the window and they thought of themselves as, okay, we care about this, and, and I, I'm the sort of person that, that sort of improves their surrounding world, right, it, and that, that cares about the goal. 
And, and they even extended the experiment where the sticker that they put in their front window had nothing to do with safe driving, mm -hmm. but they still were more agreeable to later install this, uh, this sites. And, and because they changed the cells, the sense of identity, they thought of themselves as people doing something good. So, so when you speak about, uh, when you told about your personal, when you told your personal story about how you became a writer that immediately clicked with me, you know, you, you set a goal to, to do something simple. Mm -hmm. And when you achieve this goal, you change your sense of identity. You, you thought, okay, I can do this. I'm, I'm a writer, right? And, and, and that's, that's when you were able to achieve the next goal. And I saw the same thing happening with me times and times over in my life. For, for example, in sports, I was very poor at sports when I was, was a kid. Up until college, I was uh, very, very bad at it. And then later, when I uh, started um, so sort of uh, on a sports journey, uh, something that um, people, many people don't know about me, I, I, I trained very hard at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and, and I even competed um, at the Pan American Championship and so on and so forth. So, and, and the way I got there from, is, is my, my kind of identity changed on the way. If I look back at their sort of my school nerd identity, I, I enjoyed sciences and I couldn't care less about sports. Uh, I, I felt that I expressed myself through sort of science competitions rather than sports competitions. And then later when I sort of discovered sports for me and, I, and that happened uh, through squash, so I really uh, got into it and kind of I, I, I used it as a way to um, kind of relax and switch from work and hang out with friends and we had this whole social experience around it. Again, friends are important, so so we, uh, you know, we would go to a nice lunch after and spend the whole, uh, like half of the Saturday just uh, with each other playing squash and, and hanging out. And so, so that changed my feeling. I felt I can do this I'm actually athletic, and, and later this led to sort of positive spiral where um, right now I can I can do a lot, and I view myself as a fairly athletic person. So so the story there is that um, what I've learned for myself is that there are no fixed um, limits. You know, you some people get taught early in their childhood, oh you cannot draw, or you're terrible at music, and they carry it through their whole life, kind of as their uh, internal stigma like I'm not a I'm not a writer I'm not an artist I'm not a musician I'm not a I'm not a scientist I'm not an engineer but but it's actually uh, kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy and and oftentimes you can get you can get out of it if, if there are people supporting you if you if, if the environment is uh, sort of um, conductive if you set the right goals you can change yourself and you can become a person uh, better at something that, that you want to become better. Well, Andrew, this has been uh, really, really useful and insightful, and I think very timely considering that we're just about to go into a new year. So I, I want to close with one uh, final question, and uh, that is, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? So for me, there um, something is unmistakable somebody is unmistakably creative when they're able to connect seemingly unconnectable things and, and you get this beautiful, amazing uh, product as a result of it. So uh, an, an example from consumer electronics for me would be, uh, let me think, maybe um, sort of a MagSafe power adapter, right? You, uh, some clever engineer at Apple took their um, kind of their goal of making a better power adapter 
and and use something from a different universe like magnets that can stick together and be pulled apart and and use that as a concept and you got this very creative uh, power connector that sort of detaches if you trip over it right so um, that that for me is very creative and another example that I love is um, is Cirque du Soleil right I, um, mm-hmm. I love their shows uh, and and they took something from very different worlds they combined. Um, Cirque with this beautiful artistic performance and, and great music and sound and so put it all together into something that's totally unmistakable um, and is kind of it made a made a significant impact I believe because like, I, I think they, they really created something beautiful. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I think that makes a perfect way to wrap up our conversation. Uh, Andrew, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights and your story with our listeners here at The Unmistakable Creative. Thank you, and be productive. All right. And for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.